Good morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for you are good and your love endures. You see us when we feel unseen. You know us in places we don't know ourselves. No matter how tough the road, you are good. I pray today that you would breathe life into us, that you would remind us of your goodness. God, I believe that you have a specific word for many of us today that will encourage us to follow you more than anything else. Let us be where you are. Let us do what you're doing. Speak through me today. That is an absurd thought that you would ever speak through me. But I ask you to perform that miracle today. We honor you, God. We bless you to show yourself strong, to make a name for yourself today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to walk through uh, Mark. We're continuing that journey. We're in Mark 8 today. Uh, there's a lot of text to digest. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take pit stops along the way, but I need you to hang in there with me because there's an overarching narrative arc that the Bible is telling us that we can miss because we usually read little bits and pieces rather than reading everything in context. Today, we got a lot to get through and we're going to do it together, but I hope you'll get what God is trying to say to us today through his word. We're going to start in verse one and it starts during those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. So I will send them home. So, so if I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. And his disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And, and when he had taken the seven loaves, he had given thanks and he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well, and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. And the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up the seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and they went to the region of Dalmanutha. That's a nice word, Dalmanutha. Um, lesson number one, Jesus provides for those who are with him. Jesus provides for those who are with him. You see, all these people came to see Jesus, and I love the fact that Jesus has compassion for the crowd. The people didn't ask. The disciples didn't seem overly interested. Jesus had a heart for those who had come to see him. He wasn't doing a miracle for somebody somewhere else. He was doing a miracle for those right where he was. Did you miss it? 
I, you missed it. You might have caught it, but you didn't get the cliff notes. I'm a black preacher who preach, preaches black. You got to talk back to me. If not, I think you're not getting it, and I'm going to say the same thing over and over again. So if you want to get out of here today. Jesus provides for those who are with him. Just because he, they were there and they had a need, Jesus took care of them. You see, very often in the life of people who are following Jesus, we think we have to figure it out. We think we got to make a way, we got to make it work. The key is to just be where he is. When you are where he is, he is responsible for you. You become his responsibility. And so very often, okay, can I talk to the married men for a second? I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I think in premarital, we oversell being a provider. Like the man is the provider, kind of. What do I mean? I think we mean that men should work. Men should work hard. But God is Jehovah Jireh, or in the original language, Yahweh Jireh. He is the provider, and he's not giving up his job so that you can feel good about yourself. Because what happens when we put it all on ourselves, when we lose our jobs, and when something happens, all of a sudden, you're not a man. And that's not true. As if God didn't give you the job in the first place. Okay, y'all going to be quiet on me. (laughs) You're going to get it today. Are you hearing me? This is not, God is not asking you to do his job. He wants you to work alongside of him. You know why you have a job? Because he blessed you and opened up a door. Thank you, Jesus. That's why. Not because you're good or smart and you worked it out. See, I think too much we often make ourselves idols because we rely on ourselves to do the work that God is supposed to do. If you can say amen, ouch is appropriate. But how many of you, that's the way we think? I did this. Look at me work. Look at what I've done. I have learned in the past year, God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your permission. He's going to do what he does because he is who he is. That was an amen moment. They got it. Y'all missed it. There'll be more. I'll set it up another way. Is it just me or over the past? Uh, is it just me or over the past few years has the old, whole world gone anxious? Everybody has anxiety. Can't move, paralyzed. I, I don't know what's happening. It's like everybody. I did, Ten years ago, I never heard of anybody with anxiety. Now everybody has anxiety, and I'm like, what is going on? And I wish I was just talking about you. But over the past seven years, I have been through the hardest season of my entire life. Oh, my goodness. I'm so stinking anxious. This is not something I'm mostly I'm mostly a confident guy. 
and I'm struggling to sleep. I'm taking supplements to get myself out. I'm trying to. I, <gasps> I before I would have just preached at people with anxiety. Now I'm talking to people with anxiety. But you're gonna be okay. It's gonna be fine. We're gonna get through that. <laughs> but you know what I discovered? God's not asking me to fight anxiety. He's asking me to be with him and trust him. We're trying to deal with anxiety. Anxiety is not your enemy. Our benefit is we trust God. Anxiety is all about what might possibly potentially happen, what might possibly potentially go down. I'm nervous because I don't know what's happening. But when you know that God has you, no matter what, you can stand confident. Can I give you a prayer that I have learned to pray when anxiety attacks me? God, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Amen. Oh, you were looking for more? No, that's it. God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. When I don't know what's going on, God, I trust you. When I'm worried about the future, God, I trust you. When I'm scared that this thing is going to happen, God, I trust you. My job is to trust you. Your job is to keep me. And I take a good deep breath and I get on with life. Did anybody, that's what, exactly what you needed to hear today? Anybody else been fighting that? anxiety demon the devil just the devil but I've learned that God's not asking us to fight anxiety he's asking us to trust him and then anxiety starts to take a back seat why because I don't have my eyes on what might potentially happen I have my eyes on a God who can do anything whatever your eyes are filled with that's what you focus on if you focus on what you have to do, what you have to figure out, what you have to worry about, that's where your focus is. If your focus is on a God who can do anything and all things good and he loves you and he sees you and he has a future for you, then that's who you see. And not even anxiety can defeat him. Can I get a big old hallelujah? I went longer there this time than the first time, but I feel like there's somebody in here that really needed to hear that. Let's move forward. Your, your outline should say 8, 11 through 13. It's a little um, misprint there. So we're going to pick up at verse 11. And it says, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. And then he left them and got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. Lesson number two. It is wrong to expect, expect a miracle from Jesus without a connection with him. It is wrong to expect a miracle from Jesus without a connection with him. See, the crowd that came to see Jesus weren't expecting a miracle. They just wanted to be where he was. There was a messianic expectation. When Jesus was born, there were a lot of things happening that was very familiar to them that looked like what Moses went through. So they were like, we think 
it may be time for the Messiah to come. And they had been waiting. All the prophets had been heralding, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And they're like, we think this is the Messiah. He does signs and wonders. We just want to be there. And they were happy. And if they died on the road on the way home, at least they were with the Messiah. That's all they wanted. They wanted to be near around him. And the Pharisees, these religious leaders, wanted him for what he could do for them. They didn't want him. We often want God's hand and we don't want his heart. God, give me, see, I know where you are by how you pray. Are all your prayers of filled with God, give me, God I want, God do, God this, God that. There's sometimes when all that just fades away and all you want is God. God, I can't be in this alone. God, you got to be near me. God, you got to hold me. God, you're bigger than this. God, I'm holding on to you. God, I thank you for what I have and I don't curse you for what I don't have. God, I'm relying on you. God, you are great and greatly to be praised in spite of my circumstances, in spite of my struggles, in spite of my hardship. I want you more than anything else. When you only want God's hand, you miss his heart. And I'm tired of believers who want to give me God and they don't want a father God. You know, my son is my favorite person because he's my son. He carries my name, literally. And before he goes to bed every night, he and I walk through a long list of how he disappointed me. No. He can't sit up on his own. He has severe disabilities, and what his father does is his father just holds him to his chest, and we kiss and we hug, and we laugh because I just want to be near him because he's my kid and I love him. I didn't come up with that concept. You have a heavenly father that just wants to be near you. We can be so busy trying to perform for God and God is like, I don't need you to perform. I just want to hold you. Will you be held? God doesn't need you to perform. Stop trying to do so much for God and just be with God. All the other stuff comes along with just being near him. The provision comes because you're in his proximity. You're not worried about eating. You're just with him. You not to worry about nothing. Anything that comes to you, he's going to fight off. My son doesn't need to defend himself. He got a daddy. Watch. Do something. See what happens. That's my baby. And I don't care how old he gets, he's always going to be my baby. Hear me. You're God's baby. 
and he is crazy about you. You don't have to do one more thing to earn his goodness. He's already given you everything that you need. He's just trying to put his arms around you. We have the wrong image of God. We think we got to go, God, look at what I'm doing. And he's like, you don't need to do anything. I'm already mad about you. Please tell me that somebody hears their Heavenly Father speaking to them right now. Because I think we get it wrong. This performative Christianity is a lie. He's already done all the work. He's already completed the work. He doesn't need you to work. You get to work and respond to the work he's already done. He's already done it. You can't be good enough. You can't be right enough. You're never going to be big enough. You are not enough. But Jesus is. It's wrong to expect a miracle from Jesus without a connection with him. Without a connection with him. Psalm 23 Think about this. We know Psalm 23. We read it when people are in the hospital and when they've died. We read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then comes the sticky part. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So even when you go through the valley, you got a God that is in the valley with you. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. You may feel alone, but you are not alone. You have a heavenly father that is right next to you fighting off anything that comes after you because you're his child. You're his treasured possession and he loves you and he always lays his life down for his sheep. You realize very quickly when you have nothing but God that God is all you need. We continue, verse 15, well, 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, it's because we ain't got no bread. Okay, it didn't read like that. I just said that wrong. <laughs> it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? I broke the five loaves for 5,000 and... How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I 
broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? Lesson number three, we can be quick to forget God's faithfulness when facing new challenges. We can be quick to forget God's faithfulness when facing new challenges. Please understand what's happening here in this moment. Jesus asks his disciples, he tells them, hey, I want to feed the crowd and kind of leaves it up to them. And their response was, we ain't got no more. We can't feed all these people. He had already fed 5,000 people. And you think this one's hard for me? Okay, they missed it. And then when he comes back and says, hey, be careful the yeast of the Pharisees, what he was actually saying was the Pharisees are so tied to the law that it's become corruption and it's spreading. Sin spreads, doubt spreads, and it grows like yeast. Beware of that. And they're like, see, I told you to bring bread, Thomas. You're just stupid. I, wasn't the, I was getting the water. You're supposed to bring the bread. Don't yell at me. And Jesus is like, you act like this is a challenge for me. You act like I can't provide? I fed thousands of people off of meager rations. And you think I can't feed you here? Do you realize that a part of being a disciple was Jesus always took care of them? He was not incapable of taking care of them. But they were in the process of making the same mistake that the Pharisees made. It had been made all throughout history with the people of God. God walks them through on dry land, through the Red Sea, and days later, they were like, ain't no God. Let's make our own God. I think it's human nature. We quickly forget what God has done, and then we start to fear what God can do. And God is telling them, what is wrong with you? You just saw me before a miracle. Don't be like those guys. Don't make the same mistake as them. Now, some of you, you hear that, and it sounds like condemnation, but let me tell you something you need to know. A failure when you're on Jesus' side, still leaves you on Jesus' side. Anybody that's ever sinned, messed up, stumbled, fallen, say amen. amen. I'd rather fail on his side because then he correctively gets me right. But if I fail alone, he didn't respond to the disciples the same way he responded to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were talking, he was like, y'all stupid. Get in this boat. I don't even like y'all. Let's go. <laughs> but his disciple, he's, he walks with them. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. We can be so busy condemning ourselves for things that God's not condemning us for. We can beat ourselves up, and he's like, I don't have any spankings. I let you know you were wrong. Repent, and let's move on. That's a message for somebody today. Somebody in here had a bad night last night and you came to church going, oh God, I can't believe I dot, dot, dot. And he's like, 
Old child, how about you just get up and keep coming? Because I ain't done with you yet. Now, I would love to tell you that I got this part figured out, but no, I'm stupid too. Um, at Christmas, uh, I got COVID and my son got COVID at Christmas. Now, COVID, my son is medically fragile, so um, COVID could kill him. And he started having like very horrible seizures. Like I had to issue rescue meds and call the hospital and they were like, don't bring him here. If you can't, if you can avoid it, stay where you are, but we're going to send you some more medication. I had to figure out how to drive. Um, very sick. I was much more ill than he was. He had seizures, but he had something in the system to hold it off. But me, I literally was trying to grab my robe, and I was shaking so badly that I couldn't even grab it. I was missing it because COVID had, had me. I mean, I was trying to breathe. I was trying to be okay. It's just me and him. What do we do? If I go to the hospital, what happens to him? My, I'm like, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? God, I need you. This isn't fair. My life has already sucked enough. I don't need it to happen anymore. God, please hold me now. And I felt like God said, well, aren't I the one that um, he wasn't supposed to live till five and I could heal him to this point, right? So you think COVID is too big for me? God, we don't have any food in the refrigerator, and I don't know what to do, and, and I'm, I'm nervous, and I'm scared, God. And, and he's like, um, you remember all the other times you were hungry and I took care of you? I got a phone call from a friend of mine. I'm minutes away from your house, man. I said, you cannot come in. We have COVID. And he went, ooh. Um, well, my wife made some food. We'll just leave it on your door. And it got me through the hard part of COVID. I didn't even ask. God didn't even need my prayer of God, we need food. I'm busy crying a prayer of God. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't want to die. And he's like, I got you. I'll give you another one. Um, my vehicle is in really bad shape. It was just... I couldn't ride in the fast lane. I didn't go more than 20 minutes. I'm scared every time I get in it. I just knew the wheel was going to break off and run down the street. It was so in such bad shape. And I, I was asked to speak at a men's retreat. They knew some of the hard story that I've been through when I'm at this men's retreat. And I'm just wrestling to get the door down. And I'm with my son. And, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to be what he needs. I'm trying to provide. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to share. And this vehicle, somebody literally had to, like, follow me to the retreat center because I wasn't sure my vehicle was going to make it. And I'm like, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. People saw that. And about a week and a half, two weeks later, guys came to me and said, no, your vehicle's not going to make it. We need to get you another vehicle. So, okay. A month later, we had another vehicle sitting outside of our house, fully handicapped, accessible. They are wildly expensive. I didn't have, I don't, I'm, I'm not paying any payments on it. God provided. Why? Because I am where he is. 
And even when I, I, I'm scared and I'm doubting and I'm unsure, he's like, child, you don't got to worry. You my child. I got you. Just stay with me. Stay where I am and I will take care of everything around you. God doesn't need your help to fix your life. He doesn't need your idea. He doesn't need your plan. He's already working things out for your good because you're his. And if you're not his, this is why you need to be his. Because instead of fighting this battle alone, you got somebody that's already won the battle that wants you on their side. I've been so tempted over these past few months just to tell God, forget it. I'm done. I'm over it. Enough. This is unfair, God. Why is this my life and I've been following you? See, some of you don't think that it's okay to be mad at God. I'm here to tell you, God is quite all right with you being mad at him. He's big enough to handle it. You thought that what you were going through meant that God wasn't there. I'm here to tell you, maybe you're going through what you're going through because God is doing something in you. In spite of you. For his own glory. I've watched as I've gone through this, I've watched my brother and sister who aren't super spiritual. I've watched them watch God move in my life and they're testifying that God is doing something for you. My name has been dragged through the mud, literally. My name was being out there and I'm being talked about horribly and I'm not saying anything because God told me to be still and all I knew was to be still. I'm going to stay right here. I got this boy I'm trying to take care of, God. I, I don't have any answers. I don't know what's going on. I, I am, I'm crying at night. I'm worried. I'm stressed, God. I need you, but I'm holding on and I'm remaining faithful and now I'm watching my neighbors who came up to me and go, I apologize. I believe the wrong things about you but you're a man of character. And I get a chance to tell them about my God who is keeping me through the ugly and they just so happen to, to be watching it. You see, sometimes the hardship you go through isn't about you. It's about God doing something bigger than you so everybody knows that he is more than enough. Sometimes you don't know that God's enough until you can see somebody hold on to God for everything they're worth. And then you go, there is a God. Because when God's all you got, God's all you need. Amen. Jesus is more than enough for everything you need. And I'm not telling you something that I heard or something I read in the Bible. I am not out of this yet. I'm still in it. This isn't me at the end telling you about something that has a nice pretty bow on it. I am still in this journey. It ain't over. I'm going to go home today and take care of my son. I'm going to go home today and say, God, what's next? I am still figuring this out. But there's one thing I'm sure of, that if I stay next to him, he takes care of everything concerning me. Then, verse 22, they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village, and he spat in the man's eyes and then put his hands on him. And Jesus says, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and 
Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus said, uh, and Jesus sent him home, said, don't even go into the village. Go share this basically with your family and your loved ones. Lesson number four, we learn to trust God and to remain faithful even when life gets tough. You see, this is literally an example of everything we have been learning through this text. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, wanted what they could get from Jesus, but they didn't want him. The disciples were learning that they needed to stay close to him and to trust him to do great things. And now you get this man who doesn't know a whole bunch, but the one thing he absolutely knows, he knows not to walk out in the middle of the miracle. The disciples were in a story that was bigger than a quick moment, but the disciples had to learn, don't walk out in the middle of the miracle. I just did this. I just did this. I can do this again. Don't you worry. When, when, when what I'm doing in your life feels incomplete, I'm still at work. You're just in the middle of the miracle. See, when we read the Bible, we like the beginning of the stories. Like Joseph, he had an amazing dream. We like the end of the story. He's sitting in a palace and, and, and forgiving his brothers, but we don't like the ugly middle when he's in a pit and when he's a slave and when he's in prison. But if he would have given up on God in the middle of his miracle, he never would have gotten to the palace. Sometimes what God is doing in you, you got to go through something to get what he ultimately has. But if you stop in the middle, you will never see the promise. I'll say it a different way. If you're going through hell, keep going. If you stop right here, where are you? Stuck in hell. I'm learning. I didn't say I've learned. I'm learning to stay close to Jesus and to trust that he's more than enough for everything I need. And trust me, all hell is broken loose in my life. But I'm holding on to the Savior with everything I have. I have felt alone, but I have learned that I am not alone. When the mortgage needs to get paid and I don't know where it's coming from, God, you are more than enough. When I don't have gas in my car and my son has a a doctor's appointment, God, you're more than enough. When I can't sleep at night, like last night, and I'm just awake and, and my nerves are rattled, I'm like, God, what's going on? But you are enough. I'm not quitting on God in the middle of my miracle just because it's taking longer than I anticipated. I'm not quitting on God in the middle of this mess because he's not done with me yet. He is a good father and God's goodness is still for me. I'm going to be faithful to a God of miracles even when I don't see one. 
I'm going to hold on to my God of miracles even when life feels like it sucks, when it's not fair, when everything hurts, when I'm up at night crying, when I'm worried about my son, when everything seems to be falling apart. I am going to be faithful to my God of miracles because I know that he can do all things good. It may hurt, but you're still just in the middle of it. You can see God's goodness even there. You may feel the pain, but he's not done yet. This pain leads to your promise. Stay with God in the middle of your miracle. This simple man just stayed there with Jesus in the moment. He wasn't bound. I'm going to stay right here. He just wanted... I know if you bought me this far, I know you can take me the rest of the way. I'm not going to be afraid and I'm not going to walk away because I don't see what I thought I would see. I'm going to wait until I see what you want me to see. Is there folks in the room tonight? You've been doubting the goodness of God because of what you've gone through. You've been hurting and you're wondering, God, where are you? This don't make sense. This is not the life I planned for myself. And God's like, I know I have a better life in store for you, but in order to get you ready for what I have for you, I got to take you through something. If you're in here right now and that's you, stand up. I already told you about me. How's this judgment? Mine's looking down on you. I'm in it too. My story is supposed to give other people hope. You've been doubting God's goodness. You've been ready to quit. I feel like there's somebody in the room, you came to church today on your last leg. And you were like, God, I'm done with you. This is my last chance. I'm tired of this. But now you finally hear the courage you need to go on. wondering if there's someone in here you were debating quitting on life altogether and this is you hearing me now you're like yeah that's me I've really been wondering if life's even worth it I was ready to check out but now I'm hearing that God's not done I need you to stand up because this message I think was tailor-made for you God is saying I saw what you were thinking And I love you too much to let you do that. Come on down. Come on down. Just come. Just come. Just come on. Just come. We're just going to pray for you. This isn't judgment. Just come to the front. Just come on. Let's lay this at the altar. Let's be serious about this thing. Let's not play. Just come on. Come on down. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm just saying sometimes you got to take some steps and go, God, I just surrender. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about what people think of me. I need you and I need you now. I can't deal with this mess alone and I feel like I've been alone. I need you. Just come forward. Just come on. I don't care if you serve in ministry. I don't care if you have a reputation. None of that's important. 
The preacher is telling you that he's had to hold on to God with everything he has. This is not God condemning you, it's God saying, I see you and I got you. 